For me, the most powerful part that I learned about writing identity statements was to not necessarily have titles in them because mm. you are not your titles or your roles. Yeah, It's like the root of who you are. And then you apply that I am statement as a filter to everything. So like, how do I show up as a leader? Who am I in this moment as a leader? I'm a builder of people. How can I build this employee up in this moment? Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. First-hand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand towards your next career breakthrough. Well, we have another amazing show. I have a great old buddy, Tracy Salisbury, on the show, who is a communications executive, leadership coach, and author. But before we get to Tracy, let's talk a little bit about your brand. I cannot believe that it is November, which means it's the most wonderful time of the year. And no, I don't mean holidays and holiday parties and that Mariah Carey song. I mean, it is end of year performance evaluation time for most of you. In fact, in the next couple of weeks, your company is probably asking you to complete your self-evaluation to close out the year and prepare for an end-of-year discussion and a kickoff to your 2024 goals. So the first thing I have to say is please, please, please don't wait till the last minute. Do not wait till 11.59 on the minute before it's due to put something in and hit submit. This is your free advertising. Your self-evaluation, this is the message that you control. This is like your free billboard. This is your 30-second spot. This is your movie trailer that talks about everything that you did in 2023. So do not throw this opportunity away. And oh, by the way, for those of you who are looking at internal mobility and looking to move up and across your organization or corporate Your self-evaluation stays with you throughout your career. So it is truly your LinkedIn or your resume when you're looking at those internal promotions. Now, here's the other thing. We always talk about things like bias, and one of those biases is an anchoring effect. We are anchored by the things that we see. Now, when I speak to managers about doing an evaluation, I always tell them, watch out for your bias, like being anchored by what people say or that halo effect for the last thing that just happened. But guess what? I want you to use that to your advantage because what you put in 
into your self-evaluation is what your manager is going to read and then springboard and respond to. So if you leave it blank or you do it in sort of a haphazard or half-assed kind of way, guess what? You are allowing your manager to jump in and fill in the blanks. So I want you to sit down now before you even look at the official process from your company. I want you to sit down and think about three things. What are you most proud of accomplishing at work this year? What are those signature projects that have your DNA all over them, your fingerprints all over them? Yes, they could have been done if you weren't at your company, but they wouldn't have been done the way that you executed them. Think about what those projects are. What did you bring to them? And most importantly, what was the impact? What were the results of the things that you did? In fact, you might even think through using the STAR model, which stands for situation, task, action, and result. You can describe what the situation was. You can describe the tasks that needed to be done. Most importantly, talk about your actions. What did you do? Not just what did the team do? And then finally, you've got to sell it with the results. What was the impact? What was the value that came as a result of your actions? And guess what? You can reverse it. You can even start with the results and go backwards. But I want you to think about those things that you are most proud of. Second thing, I want you to think about what is it that you learned this year? What did you learn? Because we've had a tough year. We've had, you know, starts and stops where we weren't sure what was going on with the economy. Your company was asking you to hanker down, right? Inflation was big. It was causing your customers or your clients to act in different ways. We've been sort of hybrid and remote and trying to get back into the office. We've had all sorts of horrible things happen on the global scene in terms of crisis and war. So what are you proud of? Of learning. What did you learn that is going to help you moving forward? Think through those because it's all about those valuable skills, whether they're hard skills like technical skills, like you learned how to code or you learned how to do something in an app like Excel or PowerPoint, or more importantly, those soft skills that are going to help you move forward and, by the way, are transferable to a whole host of roles that are on the horizon. And finally, I want you to think of two or three things that you need to develop for 2024. Where do you need to grow? And let's be clear, this is not saying, oh, I suck at this, or this is a big deficiency. If you have something really bold that's a requirement that you need to work on, yes, I want you to think of that. However, I want you to think more about what are those things that you do well, that you're good at, but in 2024, you need to be great at. What do you need to be great at in order to solve your organization and your industry's biggest problems in 2024? If you can think through those three things and put some pen to paper, I guarantee when you go in and you fill out whatever the format of your company is, it will help you think through and put your best foot forward. And oh, by the way, for those of you that are thinking, oh, I want to grow next year. I want a promotion. I want to move to a different area. I want to learn about something new. This is your opportunity to voice it. Remember, we don't get what we don't 
ask for. And this is the perfect opportunity. You're not coming out of the blue saying to your manager that you want to, you know, get a bump up or that you want to explore something new because your company is asking you to do that. And they're asking you to have that as a productive conversation with your manager at the end of the year or in January. So, That's my homework for you. Get into the swing to make sure that you are ready to close out the year on a high. And speaking of that halo effect, make sure that you are spending your next six weeks hitting something out of the ballpark. Because remember, in Hollywood, we always say you're only as good as your last film. That's because there's a halo effect about great things that happened recently or a halo effect about things that didn't go so well. So make sure that you have a stellar, amazing signature project or win that happens in the next six weeks so that you leave that halo with your management team as you close out the year. Well, I am super excited for today's show. I have Tracy Salisbury, who is a seasoned communications executive, a leadership coach, and an author. Now, at age 27, she became one of the youngest Black executives at NBC, where she led the publicity team responsible for campaigns across the network's biggest unscripted series like The Voice, America's Got Talent, and big events like Billboard and the Golden Globes. More recently, Tracy built and led the Originals Communications team at Peacock, NBC Universal's streaming service, where she served as the SVP of Communications. Under her tenure, Peacock launched pop culture hits like Bel Air, the dramatic reimagining of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, the Zeitgeist series Saved by the Bell, and Tina Fey's Girls 5 Eva, which I love. Her strategic awards efforts resulted in more than 120 nominations for Peacock in less than two years. Hyper-focused on driving growth, Tracy's narrative positioning of the streamer's content contributed to building Peacock into a $2 billion company in just two years, making it one of the fastest-growing streaming businesses. Now, recently, Tracy has specialized in coaching as a leadership coach in the early career space for new leaders and established business owners. We'll be back in just a few moments with Tracy Salisbury. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. Well, we are back. I have a fabulous guest with us today. It is Tracy Salisbury. Tracy, what is going on? Everything. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Well, I'm thrilled to have you here. Now, Tracy, I want to kick off by just saying I know that you are someone that like grew up in Hollywood, right? Like you've been in the business. So I know you are someone that's constantly out networking and meeting people. Tell me, how do you introduce who you are and what it is that you do when you first meet people? I try to keep it basic. I call myself a storyteller. I start with my name, Tracy, and I call myself a storyteller. Right now I'm writing a book. I'm 
been in comms and publicity forever, but I feel like that's the real identifier for me is I, I love to tell stories. Ooh, I love like saying that you're a storyteller, right? Because it works whether you're doing that in like TV or streaming or, you know, getting on stage and speaking or this book you're working on. So talk to us. I know like you're in the early phases of the book, but tell us, you know, what, what are you planning on talking about? Yeah, I went on this journey to finding myself, which I'm like shouting it from the rooftops right now. I want every, I want everyone to spend time getting to to know who they are because it it really busted open the doors for me. But I call it like my eat, pray, love. I went on this journey to figure out who I was. Except I didn't travel all around the world to find myself. I had to (laughs) right where I was, Um, and it's it's really just a guidebook into the steps I took to going on that journey. Ooh, wow. So I love that you did it staycation style, right? Right in my house with my journal. That's all you need. Well, I love that. So, I mean, I know that the book is really going to be all about how you've thought about your life and your journey and your career. So, Tracy, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is because you've just done so many incredible things. I know when you first uh, became an executive at NBC, right, you were one of the youngest Black executives there, and you went on to do great things, you know, working at Peacock and helping grow that business. When you look back over your career, which obviously you've you've done that reflection, for you, what have been some of the biggest sort of breakthrough moments for you that helped get you to where you are today? When I think about the biggest career breakthrough moments, I, I think what I find most interesting is the through line is the times that I was very clear on what I wanted. I'm mm. really big on setting intentions. Every year I go to a coffee shop on New Year's Eve and I write my intentions. And I I like the reframe of intentions as opposed to goals. Yeah. I think intentions are like stronger, they're more active, they're really like present, they feel alive. Um, but I write them and then I put them away. And I, I think with that, like everything in your body just starts to move towards those intentions. Mm. It's like a compass that you sort of write within yourself. But When I think back of like, even starting at NBC, I said, I wanted to go work at an entertainment company in communications. I specifically said I wanted to be at NBC and everyone told me you have to start an agency or you have to do this. Um, but I was so clear on it. I believe that's why it happened. I even said like, I want to be a vice president. I made like an arbitrary at by 30. I don't know why I said that age by 27, but all the, the like milestones and like big breakthroughs I had were when I was really clear for me, the biggest like life breakthrough that also had a halo effect on my career was when I really spent the time getting to know myself. And when I married that clarity of intention with who I was, it was like life. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I felt, I feel like since then, that's when like the real success, like the fulfilling success started to happen because my what had a why and mm. they were really, um, they were actively working and aligned and working together. So, um, intention and like a very clear focus on who I am. Yeah. And so Tracy, talk to me about that sort of big aha moment of bringing kind of like the what together with the why. 
like what helped you come to that or, or what was going on that you could have that light bulb moment? I think it's a series of moments that sort of build up. Um, I wish that there was like one thing where I could say, you know, like a light bulb appeared over my head and I was like, I guess. yeah, but they all just sort of piled on top of each other, specifically like in the career space. Remember when I first became uh, a vice president, I'd never managed anyone in my mm. life. And I was sort of thrust into that role on top of being an executive, which is just a whole new layer and world and space that you're navigating in. And I had like a couple of moments, one where I, I didn't know how to be, I didn't know what it meant to be a leader, but I was trying to be what I thought I wanted. And so I made mm. my, like my couch in my office as a pink couch. I made it like a therapist's <laughs> office and, you know, people would come in and just lay everything out. And I remember I went home one day and I just felt like I was drowning. Um, and in people's life, right. I was like carrying it on my shoulder yeah. and I, I had asked for a coach when I first started because I, I knew that I needed someone to help navigate with me. And she said to me, um, her name's Lacey. She said to me, that's not your role. Like, and so she showed me how to uh, be an empathetic leader to how to care about people without taking on their whole entire life as if it's my problem mm. right? and creating boundaries and space to allow people to be full humans and their roles, but keep the boundary of like where I fit in, in terms of guiding them in their life, which was in the workspace. Um, so that yeah. was valuable, uh, valuable feedback, but it was like those little moments where I learned, okay, this is my voice as a leader. Okay. I'm an, I'm an empathetic leader. And now I know what that means to be an empathetic leader. Or, um, I had a experience when I, same time, the, when I became a VP, I learned a lot. <laughs> when I first became a VP, I had an executive who felt like I was really quiet in, um, room when mm. I wasn't speaking up. And I remember when I got that feedback, I thought, wow, like, I don't know how to talk when I don't have something to add to a conversation and I'm listening. Yeah. And, um, and through that, I learned like, Oh, I'm, I call myself like a quiet storm. I am uh. listening, but I speak when I have something to add to a conversation. What I learned from that moment though, was now when I'm in situations of either leadership where I'm working with new people or just in everyday life, I let people know who I am when I mm. enter a relationship or a conversation or a room. I tell yeah. them like, I'm a quiet storm and this is what you can expect of me, you know? Um, so it was like these little pieces where I slowly built, I got like glimpses of who I was. It wasn't though until I sat down with myself that I, and I kind of sort of put all these pieces together and formulated one I am statement that I think the real synergy and like alignment came in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so talk to me about this. I am statement. Uh, who is Tracy Salisbury? I, I have it. So, let me, let me. so um, I wrote mine. I, I find that they're most impactful when you write them in the voice that most resonates with you. I'm really yeah. into like poetry. So mine's like a little bit more poetic, but mine is, uh, I'm a builder of beautiful things. I'm a builder of people. I'm a leader. I'm a storyteller, a creative. I'm a quiet storm, a buoy in chaos. I am an anchor. For me, the most powerful part 
that I learned about writing identity statements was to not necessarily have titles in them because mm. you are not your titles or your roles. Yeah. It's like the root of who you are. And then you apply that I am statement as a filter to everything. So like, how do I show up as a leader? Who am I in this moment as a leader? I'm a builder of people. How can I build this employee up in this moment? Um, or, you know, I'm a mom. I'm in this like situation with my son's school. How do I, how am I showing up? Okay. I'm creative. I can approach this in a creative way. You know, it's just like the simple, simple things, but it serves as a filter for you. Yeah. And I, I love what you said about like, it, it's agnostic to the job that you do because you're even applying it to how do I want to be a parent at my kid's school? Or maybe even how do I want to be, you know, a parent in terms of coaching and teaching my own kids, yeah. right? It's something that can like really last through time, but give you those great guardrails. Yeah. It was once I gave myself that framework, it, became almost easier to show up as myself because I was very, it, it was like, I had those clear intentions. I knew where, what I wanted to do, but then I, I knew like who I was doing them and it just yeah. made life easier. Yeah. And I, I want to go back a little bit to um, your pink couch, right? <laughs> because you, you strike me as someone that shows up as kind of like your best unique you. And I know like recently on social media, you reposted that picture of like the pink couch. So talk to me about like how that was sort of uniquely you and, and why it was important to you to have kind of a space that reflected you. Yeah. It's so crazy too how you you do things and I, someone sent me that photo and I was like, wow, if I had told my story back, I would not have said that I was so bold in those moments. (laughs) I I still hadn't really gone through this process of like doing just like of a self-discovery and an identity statement. But I think unintentionally what I was doing was creating a space that felt like myself. And that felt like an area that I could sort of control or an environment that I could create within this big, large conglomerate. And sometimes it is, I've learned like, it's just starting small and within the spaces and areas that you can impact. And then Mm. to hear back from people, how much that office meant to them. I think just because it looked different, it felt inviting. It was calming. And I put, had like a Michelle Obama when, when they go low we go high quote, big quote behind me. And I had faces of women that I looked up to and I was just trying to immerse myself and surround myself by the energy that I wanted to portray. Yeah. 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 And it's so, so cool that like, that is so memorable for people, right? Yeah. You never, you never know, but, um, that was really special to me too. When I shared it to hear people talk about what, what that couch meant to them just to sit on (laughs) on the couch. Um, yeah. And I just walked in, I'm like, I'm already different. I do remember intentionally thinking I'm already different. I'm going to just be myself in here and I want a pink couch. Mm. I want a soft pink couch. (laughs) 
in a pre-Barbie world, you were already with with the pink with the, with the pink couch. Now, Tracy, talk talk to me a little bit about this fabulous notion of these intention statements, right? And I love how you kind of reframe that from like, let me do my New Year's resolution or let me have a goal, let me have these intention statements. So you had this intention, like, ooh, I want to work at NBC, right? Like you named like the company, the broadcaster that. How is it that you were actually able to break those rules when everyone was telling you, no, you've got to go work at the agency world before you can actually work at, at you know, the network? How, how did you do that? I think it's, for one, I think what everyone tells you, even what you can do, what you can or cannot do, it's noise. It's all noise and just Ah. being hyper focused on where you want to go. And no one could tell me anything. I remember this uh, Jack, I'll never forget him. He was uh, my first landlord and it was an apartment in Los Feliz. And he said, why are you, why do you want to live over here? And I was still in college at the time. And I said, cause I'm going to work at NBC. I had no, didn't know anyone at NBC. Oh my gosh. I was like, it's close and I'm going to work there. And there's something to telling yourself and everything around you that this is what you're going to do. And I'm also really big on strategy, even when it comes to like campaigns. Sure, you can start without one, but it's like if you take a long drive or a road trip and you don't know where you're going, you need you know where you're starting, right? You know where you're intending to go and you create a map or a path of how to get there before you start driving. That's important professionally, personally, and like, yeah, there can be traffic, there could be detours, the path could change along the way, but you have to know where you're starting and, and, and where you're going before you, mm. before you start running. And, and even with intentions, I, like I said, I write them and I put them away because then it's just embedded in, embedded in you. And I think you start moving with that intention inside of you. And then you, yeah. you put your head down and you do the work. I've also never been hyper-focused on, um, like even when I made the, I've never been hyper-focused on titles. Even when I made the intention of being a VP, it was like a milestone to reach, but it was less about prestige or like, you know, and I always tell people on my team, don't chase a title or money, find what you really like and then do Mm. the hard work and it'll come and set the intention that that's what you want and then put it aside. You don't have to marinate on it every day. You don't need to tell everyone every day, right? You set that intention and then you just move towards it. Mm, Yeah. Now, Tracy, talk to me. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a teacher, which is not too far Ah! like where I'm finding myself. The the part that I liked maybe most or one of the top parts I love most about leading a team was mentoring the the folks on my team and helping them guide them to whatever it is that they wanted to achieve outside of where we were in that immediate moment. But yeah, I always wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. And, and talk to me. I know so much of, you know, who we are as people is driven by, you know, the experience we have growing up with our families and our, our parents and the environment. You know, what did, what, what did you learn from your parents that helped kind of drive who you are today? I was the only, my upbringing was a massive part. And it's also a a big chunk of what I write about in my book of everything that I think I grew up 
as the only black girl in my grade from kindergarten to when I graduated high school. And that there's mm. being one of one or one of few, I think does something to anyone in, in that position. And there was strengths to, or, you know, there was nice pieces that came to that, came with that. And there was others that like, I had to sort of learn to unravel mm. as I got older. But my dad would always, before I left the house, he would say, why do wrong when it's so easy to do right and uh. be a leader, not a follower? And so my whole life, I was just like, I'm a leader. I'm a leader. I'm not a follower. I'm a le- I can do what I want to do, right? There's affirmations are so important. And that was the beginning. I didn't, yeah. didn't have the language to know that that was an affirmation, but um, yeah. telling yourself daily who you are is and what you're capable of. You yourself telling yourself that is so powerful. Um, and even, you know, that upbringing I talk about in my book, I kind of, I clung to a lot of who I wasn't, but I didn't know who I was because I was trying to not be all mm. of the stereotypes that were sort of being placed on me or thrown at me. So I had this sort of cling to perfection, which I have tried, been working to unravel, um, which leads me back to again, I am statements are so <laughs> exactly right. And and I love that you're kind of talking about unraveling some of those self-limiting beliefs, right? Like that whole notion of being perfect is almost that survival skill, right? That we have, you know, building up some of that armor. And then we reach a point and we realize, oh, is that that might actually be holding me back from where I want in my next chapter. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I am. And I, I also, I love to reframe things. There's like a lot of, I I say unraveling, there's a lot of unlearning is like a language that a lot of people use. I, for me that always, I bumped up against that because just like, you can't unlearn how to ride a bike. Like I feel like it sets up an expectation that, that you'll somehow unlearn it. And then when you don't unlearn it and it bubbles up again, you feel sort of disappointed because you had that expectation. Mm. So yeah, I like to say unraveling or, or just shifting your mindset. It's cause it always still exists. You know, perfectionism finds its way. (laughs) (laughs) Creeps its ugly head into everything. But I've just, you know, tried to reshift my, my mindset into the opposite of perfectionism that like being a little bit messy is okay. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your brand as a leader. And I love that you have like your I statements and, and who it is that you are. Tracy, give me three words that describe brand Tracy Salisbury. Brand Tracy Salisbury, empathetic, strategic, creative. Ooh, I love that. Empathetic, strategic, and creative. Now, tell me, have you always been those things or has that kind of evolved over time for you? I think I've always been those things. Creative first. I've always sought out the creativity in spaces and when it wasn't there, found myself sort of struggling to um, to find like the joy. Though I had a coach, Nick, who is the best ever. And (laughs) when I was at Peacock, I was getting away from the day-to-day campaign building 
as I was building the team. And I remember I sat with him one day and I was like struggling. I'm like, I miss the creative part. And he really helped me reframe finding the creativity and building a team and finding a creativity and forming a structure. And he just completely shifted how I looked at some of the tasks that are maybe seen as more mundane, which is how that found itself in my um, identity statement. Like I am a builder and and building is creative because you're coming with with new systems and a whole new foundation. Um, So yeah, creative has always been first strategic built over time. I like realized like, Oh yeah, I, I I like to know why and how something's going to happen before I do it. Um, and, yeah. the, and those are the campaigns or the instances in my life that have been most fruitful. And the empathetic piece was really, I learned that with the story I told about Lacey, um, just how to be an empathetic leader and how to care yeah. for people holistically while also still leading. Yeah. And so Tracy, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, your advice in terms of being a great communications person, right? Like you have shaped, you know, the communications campaigns for shows like, you know, AGT, America's Got Talent, the Golden Globes, right? Saved by the Bell and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reboots like uh, more more recently. What are some of those things that you do as a great communications and PR person for, you know, shows that you think people could individually use to communicate and be their own press agent for their career? Mm, You have to make people feel something. The best... Uh. Tom's campaigns, in my opinion, are sometimes the smallest ideas, but that make people mm. feel something. I was so excited. We did for the Amber Ruffin show. We did a, oh, I love her. I love her. We did her for her FYC campaign. We she has this group chat um, that she talks about often of different females, black females in the industry, and they're all on a group chat, like cheering each other on. And we were just thinking about how can we bring people into the world of Amber and like invite them into the group chat and FYC is like for your consideration. And, you know, people do inspired by this. And, um, we came up with inspired by a black woman. And so her whole campaign Mm. was about inspired by black. She is inspired by other black women. She talked about her group chat and we made these shirts, um, that said inspired by a black woman like a year, maybe a couple of years later, I was going through Instagram, <laughs> just scrolling. Yeah. And I saw uh, Michelle Bateau wearing the shirt at one of the strikes for SAG, I think it was. And it, it said, yeah, by a black woman. And I was like, that's to me a good campaign. She felt something so much that she wore it outside of, you know, us trying to yeah. get nom- a nomination. Um, yeah, so, it was like beyond a promo item yeah, that like yeah. people throw away. Right. Exactly. Uh, so making people feel something and, and actually speaking to a cultural moment or creating a cultural conversation is the best, most impactful yeah. comes to me. Yeah. And then you were like, what? Of course. 
If you if you're if people if you're not watching Amber, watch her because yeah. you'll, 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 get, you'll, you'll get that because uh, she is uh, a spot on fabulous uh, comedian, but with so much uh, heart and spirit behind it. Um, so I love that advice, right? Of like you've got to make people feel something. So like when you think about your career or the things you do, how how have you maybe made people feel something in sort of an intentional way? In terms or of, had that intention in terms of like leading people. Yeah. Yeah. I, this might feel like a little heady, but like we are on this earth all trying to find our purpose and why yeah. we're here. And I always tried to lead and try to lead from that perspective. Who are you as a person? Like, yes, we're here to promote this product brand and we're going to, meet the expectations. We're not only going to meet it, we're going to exceed it. Like we're going to achieve the business goals. But then what is your goal as a human? And how can this project that we're working on help service that? Or how can we create a path that's for your growth? Like, where do you want? And I always ask my team, like, where do you want to be? What do you want to see? Where do you want to see yourself? Yeah. So that everything that you're doing here can constantly be pointing back to that. And I think that makes people also just more galvanized about the work we're invested and in return creating better work because they're, they feel like it's, they know that it's helping them achieve whatever their greater purpose is. Yeah. And so as we're kind of talking about brand and, and what you want to make people feel, Obviously, we're not everyone's cup of tea. So talk to me. And and certainly in the entertainment business, right? Like people aren't shy about telling people that you are not their cup of tea, as as, as we both both know. How have you handled in the past where like your style, your brand, your approach just didn't mesh with other people and they kind of gave you feedback about that or or were resistant to your who you are? Yeah. I, I just listened. I think that's also the, a good trait of any leader, but also a comms leader is to listen, to listen to what someone's saying. I, for myself, have what I call a cabinet. My dad calls it this, a cabinet. So I have a cabinet of people that I go to for counsel. And those are the people, they're not necessarily the only they don't, they don't necessarily believe in everything that I believe in. Um, but they're people I respect and they're people who respect sort of the path that I've set for myself. And so I'll go to them yeah. to the council, but those are the only people that I allow to speak into my life and mm. everyone else. I, it's back to, it's like, it's just noise. But if I'm coming as like my authentic self, I have good intentions. I'm being right Again, I'm like, I'm going back to the I am statement and I'm being true to that. Um, I, I walk with knowing I am not everyone's cup of tea. You might not like it. And if you don't like it, when it comes to the workspace, if you don't like my strategy, I'm going to listen to you and talk through mine, like my point of view. And I think most people want to, are open to arriving at some sort of compromise. Um, so someone doesn't have to fully like everything that I present to them. And I don't have to fully like everything that they present to me, but if we're both listening or if, if I'm at least listening, I can arrive at a middle ground that 
that we'll all feel good about. But I try not, I've tried not to like really concern myself with who does or doesn't care for me Mm. because it's noise. Yeah. Yeah. And I love this whole notion of having that cabinet, right. That you got, got from your dad is like, these are the voices that I really want to listen to, right. That are invested in, in who I am. I also love this whole notion of, you know, the power of listening, because I think there's some people that are like, this is who I am and I don't stray from it, which is, which then causes them to like, not listen. And, and part of the conflict is, we're not willing to listen, right? Listening doesn't mean we don't, we, we agree with everything. It means like, I'm willing to hear your perspective, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah, you have to, you have to be willing to listen because there's, there is some place in the middle that you can, you can all get to. Yeah. Well, Tracy, I know we could talk all day, but I have a couple of fun final questions for you. Um, We've been talking a little bit about your brand and some of the brands that you've stewarded over the years. What's your favorite brand as a consumer? Like, what can't you live without? Ooh, I really, the second you said that, I just thought of Goop. I love Goop. Ah, Anything that Gwyneth says, (laughs) I'm... uh, I'll buy it. I'll, I'll do it. But even the, uh, that's like a big, you know, brand, but even some of like these influencers who I consider to be brands as well, the ones that I resonate with the most, like shut the kale up or, um, there's a woman named Barrett. It's people who are authentically themselves and who Mm. are, who, what they're sharing seems to be representative of their the life that they present like consistently yeah yeah and if tracy salisbury was a type of car what type of car would you be um probably a dirty suv because i have a (laughs) four-year-old that's what i currently have a sturdy suv that can carry a a four-year-old and all of our to go on all of our adventures. Ooh, I love that. Now you're so big on intentions. Give us a preview for what, what's maybe one of those intentions that you're thinking about, uh, writing down in your journal on December 31st over that cup of coffee. I'm going to, I'm writing, I'm having a New York times bestselling book and it's going to be turned into a movie. (gasps) Wow. I love that. I love that. We're putting it out there. Now, finally, Tracy, um, what's the best career advice you'd like to pass on to our listeners? I just be yourself and don't be concerned with who tells you what you can or cannot do because Mm. that's just noise and take the time to figure out who you are so that you can strengthen your gut and listen to it and follow it and you make your own path. I love that. Well, Tracy, thank you for being such uh, an amazing inspiration. And I can't wait to order my pre-copy of this New York Times bestselling (laughs) book. You're going to get an advanced copy. (laughs) Awesome. Tracy, it was great seeing you. Thank you so much for stopping by the show. Thank you for having me. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest 
and accelerate to the next level. The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, I just loved reconnecting with Tracy Salisbury. You know, she had so much amazing advice and insights that we can all use. But you know what really stood out to me was this whole notion of making intentions and stating who you are. You know, she used that term identity statement, and I just love this whole notion of creating your brand with a foundation of declarative and intentional statements. I want you to take away that you've got to have that core belief that drives you in life and your career. As Tracy reminded you, This is not about the job title you have or even the job title you want. It is actually what you believe and who you are as a person that can be applied to anything in life, whether that is that next big career breakthrough or even being a mom or a great advocate in your community. Well, that's our show for you. And if you loved what you heard, make sure you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll bring you a brand new show every single week. Check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And send me a note and a connection on LinkedIn. I love to take questions, and your question might just show up on a future show. Most of all, and most importantly of all, in your career, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are that super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.